Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Hey, I'm John T. Rhodes, and you are listening to 365 Days of Sport. 365 Days of Sport. A uh, new segment, Rob. Gags with David Boone. Yep. I got this book, David Boone's Big Book of Great Sporting Jokes. Okay. Right? And I thought, let's bring it to the show, yep. bring it to the masses. And, and the first question I'll ask, Beef, yeah. is the word great as an adjective apt? Uh, great pile of rubbish? Yes. Right. Uh, that, so they've missed, got it titled. So the second half needs to be changed. Allegedly, David Boone wrote this book. Allegedly. Yeah, there's no there's no sort of asterisk next to it? Um, no. In David Boone's... It's very long. How many pages is that? Well, I'm going to tell you in a sec. In David Boone's big book of great sporting jokes, he provides a bumper collection of cracks, true stories and one-liners, not just from cricket, but across all sports. This is a book you'll want to share with your friends. No, you'll want to give it to your friends so you never see it again. Not by handing them a copy, but by retelling some of Booney's favourites at the ground, propping up the bar, or around the barbie. Mm-hmm. Anyway. How long have you had this one in your uh, company? Um, a few years. Yeah. It's quite... I've, is this the first time you've really actually decided to read it? Or I, did you just you know did you have I a glance saw, when I you... I saw it at the, on the bookshelf the other yeah. day and I thought, oh, I'll have a look at this. Yeah. I read a few and then I quickly realised why I'd not really read it before. Yeah. So, Rob, I'm going to give you a chance... Pick a number between 15 and 372. That's how many pages in this book. 372. Um, 131. All righty. 131. False alarm, it's called, Rob. Yeah. The motor racing ace had a problem that when he became simply Joe Citizen and was driving on public roads, he really struggled to stay below the speed limit. And so it was that he was pulled over by a policeman for speeding. May I see your driver's license, said the constable. I don't have one, said the racer. They took it off me after my fifth drink driving charge. I see. May I see your rego papers, please? But this isn't my car. I stole it. You stole it? That's right. Though come to think of it, I think I saw the rego papers in the glove box and I put my gun in there. There's a gun in the glove box? Yes, sir. I had to put it somewhere after I shot the woman who owns this car and put her body in the boot. There's a woman's body in the boot? I'm afraid there is. The policeman wasn't quite sure what to do, but eventually decided to handcuff the driver, put him in the back seat of the police car and call for backup. His sergeant said he'd be on the scene as soon as possible. When the sergeant arrived, he told the constable to uncuff the prisoner so he could ask a few questions. Sir, he began, may I see your license? Here it is, said the driver. Whose car is this? It's mine, sir. Here are the radio papers. Could you please open the glove box slowly so I can see if there's a gun in there? A gun? There's no gun in there, as you can see. And can you open the boot of your car? Certainly. There was nothing there except for one small bag and the spare tyre. I don't understand it, said the sergeant. My constable was rabbiting on about a stolen car, a gun in the glove box and a lady's body in the boot. To which the car racer responded, he probably told you I was speeding too. Ah, yeah, I see. Yeah. So it's a long, he's gone a uh, lo- yeah. long way. It's, a, it's not really a punchline that really kills it. No. Uh, it, it, it's probably a bit more to it than I suspected it was going to be. That is probably the it's funniest probably one. It's probably one of the funniest ones You've so far. you picked out the funniest one, Rob. Well, there we go. I'm going to have to mark that in the book so we don't do it don't again. Don't do it again. Well, I mean, I can't imagine anyone's going to be uh, cackling. Uh, I, I mean, I, it's still crickets for me. Yeah. I'm not disagreeing with that. Um, so. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing more from David Boone. 
Hi, I'm Ronnie O'Sullivan, and this is 365 Days of Sport. Gags with David Boone, uh, Rob. D- do I just pick a number again? Pick a number, Rob, because like, we're all I, as I, good I as like each other. Uh, so I, that's my 131. Three, one. Let's go 313. Three. Going deep. Going Booney deep. Booney at his best. He would have got yep. into a groove by 313. Three. I think that was the name of um, Eminem's posse. Oh, the 313, the phone area code. That's what. Is that what it is? That's what they're based on, yeah, the area codes. Anyway, this is King Hits, Rob. Some of the test rugby played in Australia in the 70s was incredibly fierce, with more than the odd king hit and indiscriminately placed boot being part of the sport. Many Australian supporters and even a few players had an odd sense of pride about this, but in other parts of the rugby world, people were not so keen on this new wallaby style. This view was captured by Bill Beaumont, the highly acclaimed forward in his autobiography, Thanks to Rugby. Beaumont looked back on England's tour down under in 1975 and wrote that in his opinion it would have been better if certain Australian players had not been selected. Instead, he argued, they should have been encouraged to turn their attentions to other more suitable sports. Headhunting in Borneo was one of his suggestions. Yes, David Boone at his best, Rob. But I, I don't understand this. So, the, but that's not a joke. No, what, what's an, the name of the, What's the name of the book? David Boone's Big Book of Great Sporting Jokes, Rob. That, that's not a joke. I know. It's it's just. I've been telling you this that this it's book a, is it's, horrendously it's, it's bad. A, it's a explanation of events and uh, explanation of events. Booney thought then, it was funny. Well, it's no, it was not that funny. <laughs> That's why we're doing the segment. It's a vaguely amusing response to a vaguely amusing to a sequence of events. It's it's not it's not funny. It's not it's not worth writing down in a book. (laughs) You don't need to write that down and and relay it back to guys. You should have heard this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what? I mean, the the thing is, whoever the editor is, he's the one who's really blowing it. David, it doesn't have to be three hundred pages. Surely, there's probably something in there that's all right. Just do fifty pages, David. (laughs) Don't go for three hundred. He really got into it, though. He really got into it. Just don't. Next time, don't write a book. Just write a pamphlet. It's something like that. Yeah. Or a sort of uh, I don't know what's between. um, Let's face it. Booney a beat- Reader's Digest special. Like it. Yeah. Booney beat the internet with this. He got it out just before you could Google funny sporting anecdotes or jokes. You get it for free. Can Is there a way of finding out how many that sold? Um, That's a great question. Imagine if it's cleaned up. You know, it's probably cleaned up in rural Australia. Oh, yeah. They'd like, everyone. In like, 1986. This is from 2007. Oh, what? I'm pretty sure it is. Well, yes, yeah, it has to be after his career, so that, of course it would have to be. Copyright. Jeff Armstrong and David Boone, 2007. Oh, no. Uh, well. I wonder if we can find out how many they sold of this book. I just can't believe perhaps how... I bought, how, perhaps how, I got the only one. Just, there's so much effort to go into 313... It's a lot of pages. It is 372 pages worth of jokes. The Michael Crichton book Sphere was about that long. Was it? And it, it was, was it as uh, gripping as that? Bill Beaumont saying Australians should go headhunting in Borneo because they're a bit rough around the edges? I read it in a few days. And, and I'm not a fast... Well, certainly I'm quite a thorough reader. You struggle through this. I, I, I couldn't... I'd fall asleep. I told you. I mean, I'm very rarely humoured at it, most it, things. The, the thing is, if he just changed it from jokes to anecdotes, he might have got away with it. Yeah. He's implying I think we're you'll looking- be in stitches. You'll be on the floor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You will be on the floor.
Remember, Rob, yeah. this is a book you'll want to share with your friends, not by handing them a copy, but by retelling some of Boonie's favourites at the ground, propping up the bar or around the barbie. Mm. Remember that, Rob? All right. Gags with David Boone yeah. from David Boone's Big Book of Great mm-hmm. Sporting Jokes. Now let's do 31 Ooh. times 3 is 93. 93, okay, good choice. Yep. Hopefully a good choice. 93. All righty. This is called Deepest Sympathy. Okay. Jack and Harry. Oh, it's up your street. Jack and Harry were just about to cross the road to walk into Mooney Valley for a Wednesday meeting when a funeral procession went past them. It was quite impressive too. A big black hearse complete with coffin and wreaths and then about 30 or 40 cars, all with their headlights blazing. When the last car went past, Jack strolled across the road to the course entrance. But when he reached the other side, he stopped and turned and saw his friend had taken his hat off and was standing to attention. Head bowed with his headwear over his heart. He didn't move until the procession was totally out of view. Only then did he scurry towards the turnstiles. That was quite a gesture, Harry, his colleagues said when they finally got into the course. Oh, it was the least I could do, Harry replied softly. It's true, she never liked racing, but she was a good wife, and I was married to her for 40 years. Oh, David Boone, gold again. Now, do you reckon he's actually come out with these himself? Or do you think that this is a collection of some things he's heard along the way? Or are his co-writers, there are co-writers, aren't they? Or aren't there? Or editors Um, or or helper-outers? There is a helper-outer, yeah. Um, Jeff Armstrong is his helper-outer. Okay, if he's giving some input as well. Maybe these are things he wrote down over all the years in in cricket. And then now it's this book. (laughs) Why do you think he went into match refereeing, Rob? Because... His authoring clearly isn't uh, up there. Um, oh, I mean... It says now, in David Boone's big book of great sporting jokes, he provides a bumper collection mm-hmm. of cracks, true stories and one-liners, not just from cricket, but f- across all sports. Mm-hmm. So it's claiming this is Booney's favourite jokes. Yeah. That he's collected along the way. Yeah, uh, I mean, that, that one you could kind of see something like that coming. You could see it coming a long it's way. It's just, uh, even if... See, thing is that one if that happened in real life and you saw someone do that with the hat on and they walked through and then they said that even in the moment i wouldn't find that funny i'd go that's a lame meathead gag anyway and that's not anything to do with some progressive stuff like uh but it's just it's very poor beef i've never <laughs> no, said no wit from the outset right i have said that this is pretty bad mm. that's what we're doing on the show because it is it's that- funny that these things are not funny I'm going to tell you something loud and clear. That joke right then is directly resultant of convict ancestry. Beautiful. Hi, I'm Jeff Fennick, and this is 365 Days of Sport. Our new segment, Rob, that's taken the world by storm. Yeah. Gags with David Boone. Oh, I love them. It has almost become my favourite part of the show. The anticipation. (laughs) Anticipation of... This great, um, great book from David Boone. Today we're going, we're going for 196 today. 196. Right. In the big... Oh, God, this could be a... Oh, it's a long one, Rob. You've got a long is one. Gee, a real long one. Oh, is it too much of an... Is it, is it a... It's probably the best story. one in the book. Anyway, let's do it. Let's, Gosh, let's just get through. It's let's called... Let's get through. It's called All The right. Hook, Rob. The Hook. H-O-O-K? 
Yep. Okay. A couple were enjoying their second honeymoon, and as part of the excitement, the husband decided to take his wife out for 18 holes mm. on the resort's world-famous golf course. On the third tee, the twosome looked out at some very flash houses lining the left-hand side of the fairway, and the husband said, Jeez, dear, you better be careful. If you damage one of those mansions, it'll cost me a pretty penny. Of course, the wife promptly hooked her drive through a stained-glass window of the biggest house of them all. Soon after, they were knocking on the front door, and from inside came a voice. Please do come. In. When they entered, they saw that an expensive glass bottle was lying smashed near the broken window, and a man in a strange Arabic outfit was standing nearby. Ah, we came in to apologise for the window, the husband said. Apologise, the owner replied. No, no, no. I want to thank you, for I am a genie who has been trapped in that damn bottle for a thousand years. The golf ball knocked it off that mantelpiece, and it broke on the marble floor. Now I am free, all because of you. As I'm sure you are aware, I have the power to grant three wishes, but if it's okay, by you, I'd like to give you one each and keep one for myself. That sounds fair, said the husband. I want a million dollars a year for the rest of my life. Done! cried the genie. If you check your bank account tomorrow, you will see the first million has been deposited. I'd like 50 holiday houses all across Australia, said the wife, so I can travel to whenever I want and it won't cost us anything. Too easy, said the genie. The title deeds to all the properties will be in your letterbox when you return from this holiday. And your wish, genie, asked the husband. Well, because I've been trapped in that damn bottle, I haven't made love to a woman in a thousand years. I would dearly like to sleep with your wife. The couple looked at each other and the husband said slightly forlornly, he did give us a lot of money and all those houses sweetheart so the wife agreed to go upstairs with the genie while the husband continued on his round without her a couple of hours later the genie and the wife were lying in bed looking at the ornate ceiling when the genie suddenly asked how old are you and your husband he's 37 i'm 35 why i just wondered that's a fair age to still believe in genies that's good. Oh, I, I, we like, found I, one. I like that one. We found a good one. <laughs> I, I'm actually laughing at that. <laughs> we got there in the end. Because <laughs> I didn't expect that. No, that's it. Uh, that was very I don't know why they've good. called it Rough Justice, but uh, <laughs> Boonie. Oh, no, they didn't call it Rough Justice. They called it The Hook. Oh, because she shanked uh, it off the tee. I like that one. Right. So well, this is going to be like worst song in the world. Sometimes they might actually be quite good. <laughs> Sometimes they might. Oh, act- good on you, David Boone. You're redeemed. You're redeemed for well, this week. You pull one back. He's one from four at the minute, that, I think. Is it four weeks we've been doing this? Yeah. Five, possibly. I mean, if you're anyway. gonna, maybe the longer ones are the better maybe ones. Maybe the longer ones are the better. And like you say, we're doing it at random, so it could be anything. But this goes back to why it should be book of anecdotes, not jokes. I mean, that's that's That good. one that's is a joke. Good. That's yeah. a good after-dinner joke, that You could really wind that up. Yeah. Will that find you? I had a little bit of indecent proposal about it, that one, with Demi Moore and uh, Woody Harrelson. Yeah. And uh, Robert Redford, Robert Redford, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just buy the wife. Gags of David Boom, Rob. Uh, I've got to pick a number, don't I? Um, Well, I could just read them all out. 154. Oh, 154. Okay, Gags of David Boone. Oh, hello. Blind loyalty. This one's called, Rob. Oh, gosh. A Melbourne victory fan desperately wanted to watch his team play their away game against Sydney FC. Now, unbelievably, Melbourne are playing Sydney FC right now. Oh, they were. It was one all half time. Maybe maybe that means I should have a massive punt this weekend. Possibly. But he couldn't afford the flight to Sydney. He didn't have pay television and he couldn't go to any of his local pubs to watch the game because his new girlfriend had asked him to mind her pet dog, a dachshund named Fang. And he knew all the hotels in the area had strict no-dogs policies. 
but then he came up with an ingenious plan. He found a pair of very dark sunglasses and the dog's lead and set off on a long walk to a pub he had never been to before. There he carefully walked up to the entrance, felt around for the door, stumbled in, knocked over a chair and then clambered onto a barstool close to a TV showing the football. The dog sat down next to him, but within a minute a barman came up and said, Hey mate, can't you read the sign? No dogs allowed. Get that mongrel out of here. I'm sorry, the soccer fan replied softly, but I can't read any signs. I'm blind. This is my seeing eye dog. Mate, you're not fooling anyone, the barman sneered. Since when have Dashens become seeing eye dogs? They gave me a Dashend? The victory supporter asked incredulously. That's it. That's it. Gags with David Boomerang. Well, I mean, that would be a good way to sustain uh, the charade of being blind. It would be. So in that way, it's quite cunning. Qu- quite cunning? Um, but it's not something that I'm I'm bellowing with laughter at. And so you shouldn't. Yeah. Not one of his best boobies. Not as good as that genie one. Not as good as the genie one? Nah. No. So, but but it's not a shocker. It's not as bad as the one... There's a couple of shockers in there. We've there's there's some... one that wasn't even a, a, any joke. It was just no. some stuff happened. Yeah, the rugby union one. Rugby union one, was it? Something like that. Anyway. Gags with David Boone, Rob. He's uh, what is he in post? I oh, got the COVID to David Boone the other day. Well, it was his birthday. Poor so, old Booney. I think he's sixty-one or yeah, something. Yeah, uh, referee. So yeah. I don't know. He got COVID in the bubble, mm. mind you. Everyone else did. So uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. tough Gosh. one, that short leg Boone. I read somewhere. I thought that he'd given up, given up the lash. Might have been for a bet or nah, something. No, because I was alarmed when I they caught up with him not so long ago, and I was sure I was going to see a giant big porky podger with a red face. Oh, no, he slimmed down and a lot. And he was slim right down. He yeah. looked, looked in some ways younger than healthier than when he was playing. Um, so he may have done. I doubt he did. Uh, doubt he did. But you never know. Might have been for a uh, while. Might have, might have got the 50, and then 52 cans. 52 cans stuff. Yeah. And perhaps he just cut down. And 52 can man. He's been a bit sensible about mm. life. Mm-hmm. All right. Gags to David Boone. Rob, pick a number. 86. Oh, 86. Pick one short six. the devil's number. All right. This one is called Like Grandfather, Like Grandson. Yep. One day when he was very young, little Eddie announced he wanted to play rugby league for Australia. Rugby league. Just like his pop did. Mm. Everyone in the family was thrilled, but no one more than Eddie's grandfather, who took the boy aside to give him some advice. Every morning at breakfast, Pop said quietly but firmly, put a dash of gunpowder in your cereal. That way you'll grow up to be big and strong like me. Little Eddie did as he was told. I don't know how kids got gunpowder, but anyway. From that day on, as soon as he woke, he snuck out to his dad's garage and found some gunpowder. And then he came back into the kitchen and sprinkled it on his cornflakes. Sure enough, he did go on to play rugby league for Australia. After that, he went on the professional wrestling circuit, played on the US Seniors Golf Tour and was running marathons well into his 80s. He kept secret the fact he was following his pop's advice right up until the day he died, age 103, when his heart gave out while he was powerlifting at the gym. At his funeral, Eddie left his 19-year-old third wife, eight surviving children, 29 grandchildren, countless great-grandchildren, and a 50-metre-wide crater in the grounds of the crematorium. Ah, uh, yeah. Got it. Again, Booney, it's not funny. 
It's, it's vaguely. It's. I think. Did I say last time it should be Booney's book of vaguely amusing anecdotes? Just not even amusing. Vague or just anecdotes or just anecdotes. B- yeah, Booney's yeah, yeah. book of anecdotes. Yeah, no, that's then, it. Then there's no expectation, is there, Rob? That's right. It's it's a, a fleeting moment. There's no it's necessarily beginning, middle, and end. Yeah. It doesn't even require a punchline. No, it's just uh, just Booney's just this, an observation, even Booney's observations. Yeah, yeah. Stuff Booney heard. Yeah, that's what it should be called. Yeah, yeah. Stuff. Boonies I prefer that. Hi, this is Jeff Parlin, and this is 365 Days of Sport. Everyone's favourite segment of the show nowadays. Really? Okay. Gags good. with David Boone. Uh, well, let's go for 42. Oh, we're going early doors 42. If people don't realise what we're doing, this is Gags with David Boone. I've got a book called David Boone's Big Book of Great Sporting Jokes. Mm-hmm. It is 300... Is it sporting jokes or just jokes? Great sporting Sport- jokes. Sporting jokes. It's 375 pages of pure gold. Mm. And Rod's picked this one on page... Page 42. This one's called Foul, Rob. Foul. Foul. As in O-U-L or as in Not in as in chicken or turkey, yeah. A young nun is deep in conversation with a mother superior. I'm afraid I used some awful language this week. I feel sick about it, she said. When did you sin, my dear? asked the older nun. Well, you see, I was enjoying a round of golf and I had a superb drive, if I do say so myself. It looked as if it was going to go more than 250 metres right down the middle. But it struck a seagull that was flying across the fairway and dropped straight down into the rough after going only a hundred metres. Is that when you swore Mother Superior asked sternly? Oh no, Mother. Suddenly, a possum raced out of the scrub and grabbed my ball in its paws and scurried away. Is that when you swore? Oh no, Mother. As the possum ran for cover, a big crow flew down, pecked at the possum, which dropped the ball and the crow then took the ball in its beak and sailed away. That's when you swore? Oh no, Mother. As the crow flew away past the green, an errant drive from the next fairway clipped its wing and it dropped my ball. Did you swear then? asked Mother Superior, becoming a little irritated. No, Mother. The ball fell into a big clump of rocks, ricocheted out over the bunker and onto the fringe of the green, from where it rolled up no more than a metre from the hole. For a moment, there was silence. The Mother Superior looked aghast. Don't tell me you missed the effing putt. Ah... Oh, well, in fairness, if you could actually say the F word, which I assume it's written in the book. Yes. That would give it a lot more impact. Sorry about that, Rob. Sorry, but we I can't say that. Clean. Yeah, no, 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 you don't have to apologise, Beef. I understood what was happening. Yeah. But uh, that would have given that uh, a lot more impact, I think. Yeah. Uh, in re- so, David Boone's a bit hard done by on that one. <laughs> due, due to, uh, would you have laughed if well, I I don't know if thing. I would have laughed. But I think I can imagine if you said it really loud and, and, yeah. and dropped a, a nice big loud F. It might, it might have had something to it. Yeah, okay. But it really lacks impact without... Because that's the whole point of the joke is the swear word, You're you right. see? It definitely is. And so very hard done by there with the censorship. So I'm going to give a neutral on that one. Uh, we're not going to totally rubbish it. Although we still never found out when she swore. Well, I think that's the point, isn't it? What? Well, the mother's... The, the she's she's going to... Don't tell me you missed the effing part. So obviously she missed the part. That's when she swore, see? Well, we don't know. Well, that's true, because there was lots of wildlife Did in there. Did it say she made a birdie or an eagle? That's a good point, because we don't even know if it's a par three or par four, do we? It's got, if it's on 250, no, it would be a par four. No, she said she was going to drive 250, so yeah, it could but be you par don't, five. Yeah, but you don't take a driver out on a... She's a nun, Rob. They don't hit it a long way. Sexist. Some nuns could <laughs> drive it a long way, possibly, but probably not this one. <laughs> In this fictional David Boone I'm land. not sure if there's a lot of stats on the driving distances of, of nuns, nuns out there mm. to really make any informed argument beef. We'll have to look into that. Fair amount of assumptions. <laughs> we will.
Patient, pick a number, Rob. Pick a number. Let's go early on on the piece. See, see if he had some good stuff. To try and loop, link, loop right. him the top. Let's go for page seven. Oh, page seven. Very early on. Does it even start from seven? One of these weird oh, books this, starts from ten or whatever. Uh, it's got a long content intro. Forward. Um, having to explain why you've got this to go book... from fifteen on, Rob. Sorry. I always feel that the, the forward's a strange one. It's always like kind of it's like a disclaimer. Like this going, you know, just in case you hate this. This you, you know what? You should know it the is context. A, it is a fourteen-page forward. Crikey! Probably written by David Boone. Uh, well, the rest so of the 15, book? Well, fifteen plus, plus seven, twenty-two. Plus seven, twenty-two. Yeah. Alrighty. Nervous ninety. Rob, this must be a cricket one. A batsman was batting beautifully and had reached 99 not out when his partner was dismissed. This brought their captain to the wicket. Almost immediately, the man in the nervous 90s pushed one into the offside and the skipper yelled, Yes! and charged down the wicket. But the man at the batting end said, No, get back! And it was all the new batsman could do to turn around, sprint, and then dive back to make good his ground. As he dusted himself off and brushed the dirt out of his hair and off his face, the captain stormed down the wicket to talk to his partner. I'll have you know, son, he roared indignantly, that I'm the best judge of a run in this competition. If I say there was one there, there was one there. Mate, his partner replied, if I'm 99 not out, I'm the best judge of a run on the whole bloody planet. That's his forte cricket jokes as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, it's not a joke. <laughs> it's a... Uh... It's not it's, a, it's a it's a scenario, a verbal exchange, or even a, a type of threat has been made, and he's responded. He's just responded to it, yeah, with with, with a, a vague sense of sort of humour in terms of switching the authority away from the, the captain. It's very hit and miss this um, book, Rob. Very yeah, hit and no, miss. No, uh, I mean, if you should have put that in number seven. You need your strong stuff at the front. Yeah. Though, and that, uh, yeah. that should have been about at least. Well, three, he started with cricket jokes. Well, cricket stories, cricket mm. tales. Yeah. In fact, what they should have. Done is actually gone through them, the whole publishing team, yeah. and and rank them from best to worst, and just yeah. start with the best, and then go to the worst. And so so that all the crap is at the back, because once people are in, they're in, True. and they'll, 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 people get hooked in, and they go, oh, this is brilliant. There's going to be more book. gold oh, so later good. on in the and book. They keep they're sort of laughing a bit. Oh, these yarns, and then because they, then they get through the first thirty, yeah. and all of a sudden the next three hundred is nothing good. But they got to hang in there. <laughs> I don't think they do. You got to push. The through. problem is, Rob, if there's only like three pages of gold, mm. and the the other three hundred and twenty pages of yeah. rubbish. Do you think? And that's oh, I have stuck well, with it, it. it is a book of short stories. It's not like it's, it's a narrative where there's suspense or there's going to be some plot twist at the end. You got to yeah. find out what happens. It's like, well, you'll just sort of look at. Okay, well, he thirty. He clearly after thirty pages ran out of steam. Just shout one out, Rob. Two hundred and one. Two oh one. The Taming of the Lion. Come on, David. Come on, David. We need this. A footballer decided to become a lion tamer. You're mad, said a friend. What are you going to do if a lion charges at you in the cage? I'll be right, the footballer replied. I'll take my chair and I'll stick it in the big cat's face until he backs away. If he knocks the chair away with his paw, I'll take my whip and I'll whip him until he calms down. If he ignores the whip, I'll grab my gun and shoot him dead. (laughs) What if the gun doesn't work? What you do then? I'll pick up some of the shit on the floor of the cage and throw it in his eyes and run like hell. But what if there isn't any shit on the floor of the cage? Mate, if there's a lion coming at me and I haven't got a chair, a whip or a gun, there'll be shit on the floor of the cage, all right? Oh, I was enjoying it until the punchline. <laughs> well, that's the whole idea of a joke, Rob. There's got to have a punchline. Yeah, but the punchline was bad because, again, I saw it coming a mile away. Well, it's an yeah. improvement on recent times. 
I was actually chuckling at the... At the at, Delivery? Uh, well, uh, no, I think I was just a footballer decided to become a line tamer. <laughs> That's the funniest that, bit. That, that was enough. So, when does this, it end when, the joke? No one's ever said that sentence <laughs> ever in the history of the world. <laughs> just end the joke there. <laughs> a footballer has beca- decided to become a line tamer. Yes, booty! <laughs> <laughs> can you give me so, a page uh, so I can read them out? Let's go for... Uh, Hundred and thirty-six. One, three, six. Strap yourselves in, people. All oh, right, this better be worth Strap it. Strap yourselves in. Normally, the in. longer ones can can be more rewarding. This is like a long. All right, all right. It's all called right. on Focus. your bike. Okay, now I've got to make sure I've actually listened and don't try. Yeah, drift try and off listen and, to and this. Go and think about something okay. else more important. On your bike, Rob. Yeah. Good good title, actually, for you going away on your bike. It's all came together, Beef. Sean was the first Australian to win the Tour de France. He won it three years straight, but never really received the plaudits he he deserved because of all the drugs rumours that travelled with him. Although he never failed a drugs test, the accusations lingered. So after the third victory, he decided he'd had enough and stunned the sports world by announcing on the podium in Paris that he was retiring. As of right then and there to go and live in Mexico. Mm. He bought a bar near the American border and was going to run it. For the first year, his new life serving drinks went pretty well. But then the investments he made during his great cycling career went bad. The business wasn't making any money and he had to sell up. With no formal qualifications in anything but professional sport, Sean fell on hard times. And then more rumours started. These ones prompted by sightings of him on the road to the border, slowly riding his old racing bike with what looked like bags of powder slung over his shoulders. As you do with the uh, bags of powder. Mm. One early morning, a policeman from the border patrol pulled him over. I'm sorry, Sean, the officer said. What's in the bags? Sand, Sean answered. Mm. That's not what I've been hearing, the policeman said. Off the bike now. He took the bags, tore them open and emptied the contents on the highway. It sure did look like sand. I'm going to send this to Washington for testing. You're free to go for now, Sean, but we'll be in touch. I'd be careful if I were you. Sean continued riding up the road over the border and into the US of A. Soon after, the report came back from the lab. Pure sand! A few days later, the same thing happened. Same policeman, same Sean, same bags over the shoulders. The former bike champion was pulled over again. The contents of the bag were tested and it was pure sand. Again, Sean was allowed to pedal north. The same charade went on for weeks. The policeman was convinced something was going on, but though he kept getting the contents of the bag tested, nothing was proved. Making things worse, surveillance told him that Sean seemed to be getting back on his feet financially. He was dressing better and eating better, and even though he was still out of work, and technically bankrupt. It was almost a year before Sean stopped riding with all those bags over his shoulder. Then he bought back his bar. One day, that same policeman walked into the premises and saw Sean hard at work making cocktails for some guests. Hey, Sean, he shouted. You got a minute? Sean slowly walked over to him. I know you're up to no good and it's still driving me crazy trying to work out what you were doing, the policeman muttered. It won't go any further than you and me. But what were you smuggling over the border? Cocaine? Speed? Amphetamines? Bicycles, Sean replied. Wasn't worth it, was it? Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Why are you smuggling bicycles? Well... I think that's that's not really the question that I was. It's just sort of it was a, a fairly weak. Oh, he's obviously that thing was just there to distract him. Yeah, from the bicycle. Plus, he was building himself up by carrying sand on his back while he was cycling. Yeah, gets the power going. No, I just this is not very good beef. Uh, Don't blame me. I just want to. I want to believe in the boon. <laughs> I want to believe. We all want to believe. I want to believe, believe the there's something there from the boon, Meister. Yeah. 
Rob's going to pick a number from 22, 15, yeah, uh, all the way through to 370-odd. I'm going to go for 153. 153 in Gags with David Boone. Uh, sportsmanship, this one's called, Rob. Okay. After the game, when his team had been beaten 3-0, the coach called one of his nine-year-old players aside and asked, Son, do you understand what cooperation is? Do you know what a team is? The boy didn't say a word, just nodded his head. His bottom lip was quivering. Son, do you understand that what matters is that we win or lose as a team and that we shouldn't argue, curse or attack the referee or call him all the volunteers running the lines dickheads? Do you understand all that? Again, the boy nodded. Tears welled in his eyes. And do you understand when I take you out of the game so another boy can get to play the last 20 minutes? It's not good sportsmanship to call your coach a dumb so-and-so and and threaten to kick the coach's wife up the bum? Again, the little boy agreed. He started to say something, but then thought better of it. That's good, son, said the coach. Now, can you go over and explain all that to your grandmother? Quality, David. Well done, David Boone. Explain all that to your grandmother. It wasn't yeah. the boy doing the the bad thing, say. The grandmother yeah, was doing yeah. it and the coach didn't want to... Yeah. yeah, that's not a very good one. We know that, Rob. We've we've known this for a long time, that it's not the best. Well, cause see, the only thing about that is that why was the kid crying? Because the coach was having a go at him. Yeah, no, but he wasn't. He was having a go at the grandmother. He... Well, he wasn't. He was... No, it's a family but... thing, Rob. Don't think about it too much. It wasn't very good, Beef. We know that. That's why it's becoming the hottest part of the show, Rob. Is it really? Everyone's loving David Boone's (laughs) jokes, Rob. Yeah. And they just can't believe how bad they really are. This is Daniel Ricciardo, and this is 365 Days of Sport. Yeah, welcome back to the 365 Days of Sport radio show. It is time for everyone's favourite segment, Gags with David Boone. Rob, pick a number. Well, let's go. Let's go 333. Ooh, Chris Gale. Is it or is it Graham Gooch? And Graham Gooch. Why is it Chris Gale that he got the same I four? think he got 333 as well. Okay. The toughest putt. It's a golf one, Rob. Golf one? All right. A father and his two sons are about to start their round when a beautiful woman walked up to the first tee. Would you like to join us? Asked the father. I will, replied the woman, but on one condition. I like to make my own decisions on the golf course. Whenever I play with men, they always think they know more than I do. I want to make my own club selection and decide myself which way the putts will roll. Will you agree to let me do my own thing? Not a problem, the men said in unison. They soon discovered that the woman was an excellent golfer. She went through the first nine in just one over par. And then birdies at the 12th and 13th got her into red figures. When she stood on the 18th tee, she was still one under the card. She appeared a little nervous on the 18th tee, and that might have been the reason she sliced her drive into the trees. All she could do was chip out but a superb four-iron gave her a chance for a par four. Though, an unlucky kick left her an extremely difficult 10-metre putt if she wanted to finish in style. It was all downhill and would break first left, then right before dipping again to the left in the last couple of feet. She stood over the putt, walked around it, and seemed extremely confused by what was facing her. Gentlemen, she finally said, I am so grateful that you have done what I asked and not offered any advice during the round. But you see, I have never broken power in a round before. I want to make this putt so badly, but I just can't read which way it will go. Can you help me? If you can and I make this putt, I'll sleep with each of you. Jeez. One of the sons was over there in a flash, looking at the putt from all angles. I think you need to aim about two feet to the right of the hole. Try to ignore the dip at the end, but don't hit it too hard or you'll go straight through the break. 
The second son had a good look and said, I'm not sure you're right. That slope near the hole is vicious. It's got to be four foot to the right and you've got to get the pace right. Then the father walked over, picked up the woman's ball and said quietly, Looks like a gimme to me. Oh. Boonies at it again, Rob. That's, the sexual jokes. That's not so... That's the worst one. <laughs> is that the worst one so yeah, far, yeah, is it? Yeah. No good. No good. It took a long time to get there as a well. A long time for that punchline. Yeah. If you're going to go long, it's got to have a decent punchline. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, if you can see it coming... I couldn't see it coming until right at the end, until uh, I realised, okay. I go, oh, I know what's coming now. Oh, yeah. yeah, well, you're a professional, Rob. You're a professional. Gags with David Boone. How did last week go? It was not good. It was long for, a, and, and then there was just a it was very a long weak. golf one. Oh, the putting you, you one. You can see yeah, it. Yeah, it, it was a gimme. Uh, that's go on, right. Go on, give us a number. Uh, 78. 78. Another long one. Ultimate mm. Revenge is called. Okay. It's, it's, it's going to need a good payoff here, David. The manager of a prominent rugby league player received a call saying that one of his stars from an interstate club had got himself in serious trouble and that the player manager was needed there immediately. He asked his secretary to book him on the earliest available flight, packed his briefcase and had just enough time to call his wife before the cab arrived to get him to the airport. When he rang home, the couple's new maid answered, Hello, look, I don't have time to chat. I'd like to speak to my wife immediately, please. The manager spat down the line. Ah, uh, um, the maid hesitated. She, ah, uh, she can't come to the phone right now. Is she there or not? The player manager shouted. Put my wife on now! I'm sorry, sir, I cannot lie to you. The maid burst into tears. Your wife is upstairs in your bedroom with a footballer. The player manager was furious. I want you to go to my office, take the revolver out of the top drawer of my desk, and I want you to go upstairs and shoot that cheating bitch and her bastard boyfriend. Oh, Boonie's getting a bit... Mm. Uh, ooh. Bit of language. Of course, the maid protested, but the player manager was now beside himself with rage. He yelled down the line that under local law, such a crime was legal, given his wife's adultery and that, as his servant, the maid had to do as he'd ordered. If she didn't, he could get her deported. So the maid put down the phone, and soon after, the player manager heard a shout and a woman's scream, and then two shots were fired. After a short break, the maid returned to the phone. It's done, she wept. Excellent work. And what have you done with the bodies? The player manager asked. I threw them in the pool, the maid replied. The pool? Yes, sir. In the pool, the maid sobbed. But we don't have a pool, the manager said. What number is this? Mm. Oh, wrong number, eh? Uh... Yeah, never mind, Booney. Um, if you want your own copy of David Boone's big book of great sporting jokes, it's done by Collins. You'll find it in any good charity shop. See, when, you know how he drank the 50 beers on the plane? Yeah. At that point, he was in front. Yes. Yeah. It was like, Dave Boone's great. He, he smashed 50 beers on the, on a plane trip to London and then got carried off by his team. Hilarious. Mm. He must have thought he had more in the tank, but that was physical comedy. It wasn't uh, something written and thought no. thought thought about. Yeah, yeah. So he's got, is this just a bridge too far? For, I think it is just a, a bridge too far. Wrong number. Couldn't see that coming. Gags of David Boone, Rob. Mm. Got a number for me? So, well, let's go for 93. 93? All righty. Okay. 93. You better pull something out this week, David Boone. You better, Booney. This is, uh, it's called Alley Oop. It's a horse racing one, which is quite apt, weirdly enough. A hurdle jockey accepted a last minute ride on a galloper he'd never seen before, trained by a man he'd never met. Before the race, he received some bizarre instructions from the trainer, the sort of advice that jockeys listen to intently and then forget as soon as they're out on the track. 
All you need to know with the horse is that every time you approach a jump, you have to shout, Alley-oop! If you want to get over. Mm. The race begins, and as they approach the first hurdle, all the jockey can think of is, I am not going to shout at this horse. What would his mates think? So instead, he kept quiet. And the horse simply ploughed through the barrier and was Mm. lucky to stay on its feet. Mm. Same thing happened to the second jump. So at the third, the rider decided to compromise. He leant down on the horse's mane and whispered, Alley-oop! And the horse managed to lift his feet a few centimetres off the ground. At the next, he spoke a little louder, and the horse jumped a little higher. So at the fifth barrier, he shouted for all his worth, and the horse flew higher than any Grand National winner. This continued for the rest of the race, as horse and rider came from tailed off to take the lead at the half furlong and win going away. Back at the bar afterwards, the trainer was congratulating the jockey on his winning ride. It was a tough one, the rider conceded. I just wish you told me the horse was deaf. Deaf? The trainer responded. He's not deaf. He's blind. Mm, it's marginal. It didn't go where I was. Wanting, I thought it was going to no, go. Well, there's no explanation for the alley oop whatsoever. At the start, yeah, there's no sort of explanation as to why. Well, the horse was blind, Rob. He can't see the fences, so that he was relying on the rider to say alley oop so he could jump over him. Oh, I didn't get it again. I'm a bit slow off the mark sometimes. Some of these jokes. <laughs> yeah, well, it's been said before yeah, that. Yeah. Well, I didn't I didn't like that very much. I thought I was, I was sort of waiting. I don't know why the jockey would then tell the trainer. I, I think did, if I, you have to explain the joke, it's not a good joke. No, that's true. That is very um, true. Maybe because these jokes just don't appeal to me on any level. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't really connect. The thing I've got to say about this segment at this point, Beef, is a concern. Yeah. I mean, there's enough ordinary jokes between uh, and comments and yarns between the two of us throughout the show that to, we have to both to, have to put up with from each other. Well, this is And now a, this is a planned segment that we know is definitely going to be in here. Yeah. And the percentage of success is getting lower and lower. I mean, he's down, how many have well, we done these now? How many jokes? 25 at least. 25 and we got basically one. Do we one. agree on one? I didn't mind that one. Didn't mind it. I didn't say it was raucous, but I didn't mind it. Yeah. I'd we'll say one and a half. I think we're now just poking fun at David Boone for how crap his jokes are. So so basically, one and a half times four yeah. is five. I think the segment Six. should be, what crap is Booney coming out with this week? He's running at 6%. It's not good, is it? Yeah. Anyway. <sighs> Life goes on. Well, we mentioned it earlier, Tubes, and we cannot do a show nowadays without hearing from our good mate, David Boone. <laughs> So the jokes, the jokes start at about page, uh, well, the jokes don't really start. Uh, the jokes start at page 15. They go right through to 371 tubes. So uh, where are we going to head? Well, because it's the number of Jerusalem in hymns ancient and modern, oh. I'm going to cross my fingers and say 294. And did those feet in ancient times, this is going slow. True story. Oh, no. (laughs) I'm sorry. True story. This is a problem. All right. In the autumn of 1930, Farlap was running in the AGC plate at Randwick, a high-class race over two and a quarter miles. Jim Pike couldn't make the weight, and the much lighter Billy Elliott was riding him. The horse just took off on him. Elliott couldn't hold him, and Farlap went on to break all sorts of records, even though he walked the last furlong, which was when Elliott finally got a grip of him. One clocker reckoned the champion ran the first seven furlongs of their race faster than the Randwick seven furlongs record in a two and a quarter mile race. 
Afterwards, the stewards called in Roy Reed, the jockey of Nightmarch, the 1929 Melbourne Cup winner, which had finished second and accused him of not trying to win the race. This turned into one of the shortest stewards' investigations in history. Straight away, Reed pointed out that Nightmarch had just broken the old track record, even though he got beaten officially by 10 lengths, though most observers' unofficial estimations the margin was actually 100 yards. The stewards looked at each other and then declared the inquiry closed. <laughs> David Boone's big book of interesting anecdotes. I mean, I knew early on I wasn't going to be amused, but I struggled to keep listening to you. Like, yeah, I, I wasn't even interested. I'm, I'm not really a horse racing fan. Obviously, yeah. Farlap was pretty special, but I felt like I'd wandered into a, a TAB on a, on a Wednesday afternoon and, and some down on his luck. Yeah, had, uh, telling you the story about the so, 9.30 yeah, AJC play. He had money on it or whatever, and, you, and you're going to love this story. And I, I just really struggled just to keep listening. <laughs> No, I know how you feel. I can only apologise. Jerusalem has has let us down there. Yes. I don't even need to comment on whether it's a funny joke because it's not a joke. Well, it wasn't a joke. It definitely wasn't a (laughs) joke. Yep, I agree with you. I'm I'm trying to work out a joke just to perk us up a bit, Tubes. Just something short and snappy that at least raises a chuckle. Uh, Slow training, this is good. He's one of those blokes who always laughs last, the team president said of his new coach who he'd personally handpicked only to see the team lose its first four games. Is that because he thinks a bit slow? A committee man replied, oh, freaking hell. <laughs> it's not even, that was meant to be the perk up. Oh, it's, it's awful. It's got it's, worse. I mean, it, it's funnier, actually, watching you try and <laughs> try and read it and get something out of it than it is actually listening to uh, the, the words on the page. Booney. Just, Booney. Just dreadful. Dreadful. I think me and Rob have joked about trying to get Booney on the show to talk <laughs> us through this book, and Rob said, what happens if he's really proud of it? Uh, I, I doubt it very much. I, th- I, th- I, think, I don't think he had anything I think, to do I with think, it. I think, to his credit, I think if you ask him about this book, he won't actually know what you're talking about. I'm maybe. pretty much uh, <laughs> on that train of thought, yeah. really am. Well, uh, Tubes, you picked an absolute stinker last week in Booney's uh, Bad Jokes. The only way Hopefully is up from there, Hopefully you want to redeem yourself, so uh, give me your number, please. All right, this time I'm going with uh, Moeen Ali's number of test wickets so far, because he is coming back. It's currently on 195. Really? He's got 195 test so wickets? Right, yeah. Has he? Yeah, he's that good. His average is terrible. Mind but you, he, if, I'd bowled, out. if I'd bowled as much as him in test cricket, I'd got 195 <laughs> test wickets as well, I think. Okay, this is Rough Justice. To get away from the pressures of the courts, one of Adelaide's leading solicitors went away on a solo golf tour of country South Australia. He found himself in a beautiful little course seemingly miles from anywhere and began to enjoy a blissful round interrupted only by the occasional chirp of a native bird or the sound of a gentle breeze whistling through the trees. He wasn't playing that well, but it didn't matter. And then on the seventh, he duck-hooked his drive way out of bounds into a nearby paddock. He didn't need to get the golf ball. But there was even something exotic about clambering over the barbed wire fence and walking through the field to find it. So off he went. He spotted it and was just about to pick it up when the hefty boot of an old farmer descended upon it. I think you'll find that's my golf ball now, the local said, who was probably from Devon. (laughs) I don't think so, said the lawyer. I think you'll find it is, the old farmer said menacingly. And if you don't get off my property straight away, I'll get you off myself. No one spoke to the lawyer this way, least of all some country hick. Sir, if we can't settle this amicably, I'll guarantee you that you'll lose this property in court, he said firmly. Now hand over my golf ball, forthwith. We don't settle disagreements in court out here, the local replied. We use the three-kick rule. What on earth is that? The three-kick rule? First, I kick you three times. 
Then you kick me three times and so on. Me, then you, until someone gives in. The lawyer, a former rugby prop who oh. demonstrated some ability in his university days, thought about this for a minute and decided that he could easily beat the bludger. It would make a nice change from humiliating the working class in court. However, the farmer's opening kick planted the steel cup of his work boot straight into the lawyer's groin and dropped him to his knees. The second shattered the man's nose and bruised his eye sockets. The third into the kidneys almost convinced the city slicker to concede there and then. But now it was his turn. Okay, you bastard, prepare to die, he spat out through bloodied lips. Nah, I give up, the farmer replied. You can keep your bloody golf ball. Oh, that was long. It was long, that, and I, mean, I saw it coming from about the fourth line. Exactly, and yeah, there's a punchline, it, but it was worthy of a joke about, about a quarter of, of, of that length. It's yeah. No need to just drag it out with all that detail. It's n- not worth my time. All I can say is, uh, Tubes, it was better than last week's. Yes, it was. So, give it like that. you say, <laughs> only way is up, and we marginally improved on last week's effort. Uh-huh. Gags with David Boone, Tubes. You started off on a very, very low note. It I did. got marginally better. Not saying much. So let's try it. As every good coach will tell you, let's finish on a good one. Okay. Just going to hit you with a round number this time. Yep. Let's, let's go 100. 100. Come on. Be lucky for me. Out of line. It's a quick one, so it could be a good one. Okay. They were just about to go into line for the final of the Inter-Dominion Pacing Championship at the Harold Park <laughs> Trotting Track in Sydney uh-huh. when one of the horses farted. Sorry about that, fellas, shouted out the driver with a grin. That's all right, replied one of his rivals. We thought it was your horse. Oh, dear. Yeah, it's... It, it's really gentle comedy, isn't it? Just It's not even gentle. It, it sounds like something that actually happened and that maybe raised a chuckle at the time. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Don't then public, you don't write it down and no, publish no. it. Just, That's it. Oh, um, because I was quite short, we'll do another short one. Uh-huh. Seeing straight, this one's called. A trainer took his, took his prize greyhound to the vet and said, Doc, he's not chasing the bunny like he used to. A mate of mine reckons it might be his eyesight. Is there anything you can do to help him? Let's have a look, said the vet. He picked the dog up and looked straight into his eyes. Then he checked his teeth, even lifted him high and stared intently at his chest and belly. Finally, he muttered, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to put him down. What? Because he's going blind? No, he's very heavy. Oh, God. Yeah, I can see that coming from a bit of a mile away, actually. I'm I'm glad it's over, (laughs) because I I just have to concentrate so hard, because I think there's some comedy buried somewhere in here, and I'm afraid I'm going to miss it. And then I realise I haven't missed it. No. I'm Mick Fanning, and this is 365 Days of Sport. What do you got? Gags of David Boone. Yeah. Hey, I had um, dinner. We talked about it in my late shower, but dinner tonight. Hawaiian pizza, Rob. Hawaiian pizza. Yeah. But I left it in the oven. It burnt, man. It burnt. Did you make it yourself? No. No. Why would you bother making an Hawaiian pizza yourself? Why did you, you leave it in the oven? I put it in the oven, but I probably should have had it on a lower temperature. Gags, David Boone. I reckon he can beat you. <laughs> Pick a number. 276. Ooh. If you don't know, David Boone wrote a book called David Boone's Big Book of Sporting Jokes. And nearly every week on this show, we read out one of the jokes. This joke is called Sorry. It is short and sweet. After a St. George versus Eastern Suburbs game, a Roosters supporter returned to his BMW to discover the car's headlights smashed and considerable damage to the grill. Mm. There was no sign of the offending vehicle or the driver, but at least there was a piece of paper stuck under the windscreen wiper, and it read, Sorry, 
I just backed into your beamer. I note there is a rooster sticker on the back window. As I write this note, the witnesses who saw the accident are nodding approvingly and smiling at me because they think I'm leaving my name, address and other particulars. I'm not. It's not bad. Not bad. I don't mind that. Okay. Booney. A bit of redemption for you there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little bit. That'd be a good trick to do in real life. It probably happened. If, if you're a bad person. Yes. Um, Don't do that, people. If you do reverse into somebody it... else's car, please leave your details. Yeah. If you can't wait around. I'm going to give it that half point. Half a point for David Boone, so finally. He's on he's, uh, two and a half now. Yeah, two and a half out of 40. Yeah. Gags of David Boone, Rob. Let's go for Martin Crow, 299. 299 for the old Crowster. Did you know, Rob? What? He's, um,. Russell Crowe's cousin. What's the, uh, how's the joke looking? I mean, if that's any sign of what's, <laughs> if, that's, if that's foreshadowing what's ahead. Just, that's just a statement of fact. It's a statement, yeah. A horse was drinking at a pub. A bloke walked up to him and said, are you a racehorse? That's right, the thoroughbred answered. Did you ever win any big races? Yeah, I did. I won a Melbourne Cup. You having me on? What year did you win? I won in 1979. Are you serious? No, serious one in 1944. I'm Hyperno. It's not very good beef. Don't blame me. Blame Booney. Did that horse actually win in, in 1944? Hyperno, serious. No, serious one in 1944. Hyperno. Yeah. 1979 probably yeah. did. I don't know. You haven't asked me that question. Oh, yeah. oh, there's not some sort of pun in that name, Hyperno or something, no? No, I think it was genuinely the winner of the 1979 Melbourne Cup. That doesn't cut it for me. Really? I thought mm. it was quite good for Booney. It wasn't. Overruled. <laughs> Overruled. I'll give you a quick one. A rugby front rower got a second job as a sex therapist on a late night radio show. The first question was from Veronica, who asked, Doctor, why is it that men always want to marry a virgin? To avoid criticism, came the reply. To avoid criticism. Okay, got it. Did you, you got it? Yeah. Okay, you sure? Yeah, it's just the way that it was read. It confused me. Oh, a bit. sorry. It's no, my, no, no. You didn't do reading. anything wrong. Just the way the ice was sort of my brain okay. was. I, th- I, I think I was waiting for more to come, and then it didn't, oh, right. and then, and then it didn't come. Oh, see, and I, I should have. Go back and, I should have really rammed home the punchline. No, 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 no. I just thought. I thought. Pardon the sex uh, well, there. No, but it's just that you, you just assume there's going to be more. <laughs> that there's going to be something that's going to make one trigger the response known as involuntary response. Yeah. S- surprise response, which is known as laughter. Yeah. Okay. Give us a number, Rob. David Boone. Number 54. The Sleepover. Okay. It is apparently a true story that after the 1984 grand final, the Essendon team partied long into the night. As Paul Salmon relates in his book Fish Tales, at 4am, the great footballer Paul Vanden Haar decided he needed a bit of a lie down. The next morning, there's a phone call at the club from a family that lived near the Essendon offices at Windy Hill to say that Vanden Haar was asleep on their couch. They had left the front door open for when their teenage son came home and the Bombers champion had obviously seen the light on. They weren't concerned that he was there. They were just worried that someone might be wondering where he was. So not a joke, just a story, a funny anecdote. It's a story. There is a quick one here, same page though, a simple explanation. There was this group of young backpackers on a tour bus somewhere in Europe. To kill time between stops, the French guide on the bus asked if someone on the bus could tell everyone else a joke, whereupon a girl volunteered to tell a Port Adelaide joke. Straight away, a bloke from up the back of the bus cried out, That's not fair, I'm a Port Adelaide fan. That's all right, said the guide, we'll explain it to you afterwards. So, there you so, go. so this is the thing. This is so. I'm starting to realise. Yeah. What they've really got wrong is the title of the book. 
Yes. I think I've said this at times. It is, And that was literally two little anecdotes. It's, That's exactly what at, they were. At best might provoke a, a mild smirk. I think the second one was, a, was kind of could be accepted as a joke. It can be accepted. Yeah. Really, it was just an account of a cheeky one-liner from a bus driver to yes. a passenger. Yeah, yeah. And really, the sort of thing that is the banter that I might hear in the bottle shop, frankly, is that sort of level. Mm. Like, yes. like, they're actually planned gags. Yeah. Like, like, so my old boss at my first work, he had a repertoire of one-liners that he'd, he'd put away in his head. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He just knew he had them there to pull them out, and that was his idea of being clever and funny and witty. Okay, was just repeating these one-liners yep. at the right time. He yeah, maybe yeah. had twenty or thirty of them, and it's, it's actually good to, good to have them in the not, bank. It's though. not funny at all. Well, yeah. it's good. No, it's not good. Okay, it, it's not. It's, <laughs> it's not good. It, it, it means you're not thinking for yourself. Uh, okay, it means you're just practicing. You're but you're, yeah. you're kind of acting in real life. Don't okay. like that. Hi, I'm Mark Williams, and this is 365 Days of Sport. Look, this is another person which we've near enough given up on. Yes, it is. But let's just go for a magic mark that is an elite club for any test batsman. Yes. I want to go on the even 300, Beef. Even the, the, 300. The, the triple century. Nice work. This one's called Time Matters, Rob. Mm-hmm. Short and sweet. Looks good. A man was trying to explain how betting on horse races works to a young woman. First... He showed her the betting ring and the bookmakers, the bookies boards and the TV screens that displayed the tote odds. Then he explained, if you put $5 on a horse at odds of 5 to 1 and the horse wins, then you win $25. If you back the horse at 10 to 1 and it wins, you win $50. And if you back it at 20 to 1, you win $100. That sounds great, she says politely. So what happens if I back it at exactly 1 o'clock? Um... I, I think I might have missed something. <sighs> that was vaguely good, Rob. So he tells her, if you put $5 on a horse at odds of 5 to 1, and the oh, horse wins, if you back this horse it, at 10 to 1, and it wins, and if you back it, it at wins. 20 to 1, she says, what happens if I back it at exactly 1 o'clock? Uh, it went, went over my head. It did go over my head. But um, it's not very good anyway. You think that was a good one? I just read it out. Time matters, according to Booney. Are we, going to, are we going to put him away? Like, this one is good. Racing drags. If horse racing is the sport of kings, is drag racing the sport of queens? Oh. Bit, bit, bit on the edge, Booney. <laughs> bit on the edge, Booney. <laughs> I guess it's a fair question. Uh, look, I'm not, I'm not blown away. But that, I'm, I'm a bit disappointed I missed out on that. I'm so in, I think it's because I'm so in horse racing <laughs> that I've never ever for a moment considered that that could be the telling the time um, sort of terminology. So I was clueless as to what the hell was going on there. Right. Here's another one for you, Rob. I'm doing, oh, the, I'm doing, doing the quick ones, right? three boonies. Bear hunting. But the quick ones are never good. Beef. No, I know, but I'm trying to get us over the line for we next week. We need to find some redemption we do. song. Bear hunting, Rob. Have you ever been bear hunting? The old man asked. I've been fishing in shorts, his grandson replied. Yeah. Wrong, wrong beer, wasn't it? Gags of David Boone. Mm. That's what that is. Oh. Now, Beef Man, you were about to give up on old, old David I'm Boone. I'm giving David Boone one last no, chance. No, no, no. We've got to stick with him here. <laughs> we we're, we're, stick with him. Because we, we figured that yeah. out of 300 stories, yeah. he might have 15 good ones. <laughs> We've only found, so that what's that one. as a percentage? One in 20. Yeah. Yeah. So if we go, for, so we've had one, we've had about one out of 20, roughly. Um, yeah, maybe may not that not, many. May, maybe maybe not that many, yeah. So the odds are working back round again, based on not actually any evidence, just the vibe. <laughs> just the vibe 
it's Marbo. It's the vibe. Yeah. That we've got to could be due for another cracker. Yeah. Now, and I'm going to tell you that this is going to come from number 157. We've got the diver, Rob. The diver. The diver. Gags with David Boone, everyone. Gags with David Boone. Fans who long for the good old days like to tell us that soccer professionals of seasons long gone never tried to con referees in the way modern stars do. But a story told in the book of the wit of soccer by the great commentator Kenneth Wollstenholme about old Glasgow Celtic forward Jimmy Delaney lends a little of the lie to that. Delaney played for Celtic from 1934 to 1946, and during one old firm clash with the Rangers, he tried to dribble through the defence on the edge of his opponent's penalty area. But there was no way through, so Delaney dived while the Celtic crowd roared. Now, one of the rules of the dive that has never changed over the years is this. Stay down and pretend you're injured. Delaney lay there in the mud as if he'd been polaxed, and then out of the corner of his eye he saw a boot and presumed it was a teammate checking on his welfare. Has he given it yet, he asked. Or, has he given it yet, he asked. Not yet, Laurence Olivier, and he won't, came the reply. So you might as well get up. Those boots belong to the referee, Peter Craigmile. Ah, oh, so... Instead of a teammate, it was a referee telling him, I'm not going to give the penalty. Ah... Oh. I'm being pretty reasonable here, I think. Yeah. I, I'm being I'm giving a, a good that chance. That wasn't a bad story. It's been told a hundred times before. No, it wasn't a very good story. Yeah, you're right. It was just that you tried to lie to the ref and <laughs> do a performance. Yeah. Just uh, getting increasingly disappointed. Yeah. Running out of both. steam. It's like, it's like we're supporting a, a team that's just losing every match and is about to get relegated. <laughs> we're losing every match with David Boone, that's for sure. Gosh. Can you pick a short one? Because we've got loads to get through. Uh, 200 on the dot. 200 on the dot? Yeah. Did Booney ever get 200? Yeah, I think so, yeah. In fact, Alrighty. I think he got against New Zealand, I think. Did he? Pretty sure. All right. I'm going to say his highest score is 205, as I guess. Oh, you've gone golf again. Unbelievable. Yep. Out of order, this one's called, Rob. Mm-hmm. Two male golfers were having an awfully slow round, all because of the women in front, who were each 300 over par but refused to call the men through. Finally, one of the held-up players decided to do something about it, and he marched up the fairway towards the green, determined to give the girls a gobful. But he stopped when he got halfway to them, turned on his heel, and returned to his ball as quickly as he could. Maybe you should just go back to the clubhouse, he said to his partner. What's the problem? Well, one of those women is my wife, and the other is my mistress. Don't worry, mate. I'll go and sort it out. But the second golfer only got halfway to the women when he, too, turned around and hurried back. Small world, isn't it? Was all he said. Mm. At least it was quick, Rob. At least it was quick. At least it was quick, beef. Yeah. Oh, just keep moving. Just keep the show moving, I think. Booney's not getting any better, is he? I, know, I think he's got... I mean, he, he can't go back now. It's no. already printed. It's published. It's already printed, yes. Yeah, yeah. He's not doing a David Booney. They should have just called... I've, done, I've said this before. Just found out the 15 out of the 300 that were good and just done, made a little pamphlet. Yep. A little a little Reader's, Reader's Digest, a little quick section. <laughs> pamphlet. <laughs> um, I don't think there is a uh, David Boone's another big book of great sporting jokes. Not I'm a whole other sure one. this is it. This is Gillian Cook, world bobsleigh champion, and you're listening to 365 Days of Sport. Possibly the world's worst yeah. joke book, Gags with David Boone. Are we giving it, is this, is this it? One last chance for David Boone? No, well, all right, let's go for number f- 39. 39. Forever Rob, they call that 39. Forever Rob. All right. I want to be forever. Safe but sorry. This is called Rob. Yep. Harry and his best mate Tom were playing around a golf with their wives early one Sunday morning. 
At the tenth, Harry hooked his drive into the trees, and when they got to where it had fallen, he found that he was in an awkward position, with his best option being to simply chip out onto the fairway and hope for a bogey. But his wife looked at his predicament and said, Come on, dear! What are you, man or mouse? There's a narrow gap between those two trees right in front of you. Go for it! So Harry went for it. But the ball crashed straight into the tough old gum tree just a few metres away and then ricocheted back into his wife's forehead. She collapsed to the ground, but despite her husband's frantic efforts and the sterling work of the paramedics, when they got there, there was nothing anyone could do. The poor woman was dead. Mm. Harry was devastated and didn't set foot on the golf course for weeks after his wife's funeral. Not months or years, Rob. Weeks. Mm. But eventually he was coaxed back, and next time he played the 10th, he hooked his drive into around the same place. He'd hit that fateful drive on that awful Sunday morning. There were tears in his eyes as he tramped up the fairway. As he stood over the ball, he knew he had no option, and he reached for his wedge. But one of his partners had walked up with him, and he said quietly, There's a narrow gap between those two trees right in front of you. Why don't you go for it? The man stopped, then turned quietly to his colleague. You cannot be serious, he said in a bitter tone. I did that last time. And finish with a triple bogey. Got it. Got it. Got it. Is it worth more than half a point, Rob? Nah. Nah! I I wasn't that impressed by that. (laughs) Okay. Nah. He's a hard taskmaster, Rob. Mind you. Wow. I mean, I'm more just laughing at his failure than anything. (laughs) Because he got a triple bogey. No, not his. The character's failure. David Boone's failure. Jesus, you almost used the punchline in the same way that was using the joke. (laughs) The misguided, uh, almost, I nearly got the misguided, you. the sorrowful moment was due to something other than which we had assumed. Yeah. Um, now, uh, I seriously wonder again, like in excess, like wasn't yeah. the if there's been some kind of falling out over this book. <laughs> right. Yeah. How but, good would it be if we got Booney on the show? And, and just asked him straight out. But but the, no, but can you imagine how awkward it'd be if he, if he loves it and he's proud of it? Well, that's that the would be worse. That is the problem. So we can't do that. Or can we? Well, <laughs> <laughs> you can't. You can't have a specialized segment where you're ripping on someone for three months straight <laughs> and then go, "Oh, do you want to come on the show?" It doesn't really work hey, like that. We've done we, that before. We did it with Mark Butcher, but yeah, we didn't yeah. really rip him properly. No, we no. didn't. He's a good, great he guy. Great, great guy. Like, and I actually did. Given some, uh, yeah, yeah. Some, Actually, he's got new, he's got new stuff out at the moment. Yeah, it's really good. Okay, it is really good. So, big shout out to Mark Butcher. Oh, sorry, Rob, but if you're listening, Mark, I like your new music. It's good. Is it that time, Beef? It's, yes, that time. Gags of David Boom, Rob. What did Will Young make today? One oh one. He made nineteen. Did he say, Rob? Nineteen. Oh yeah. Sorry. Nineteen. I, meant, no, I, I think meant you nineteen. Said, Don't tread on the ducks, Rob. Don't tread on the ducks. Lloyd, Ian and Phil were driving home from their cricket club's presentation night one year when they had a terrible car accident. All three men died and went to heaven. Because they're all such top blokes, St. Peter quickly let them in, saying, We only have one rule in heaven. Don't step on the ducks. Sure enough, there were ducks all over the place. Geez, said Lloyd. A lot of blokes didn't score a run. Very droll. It was almost impossible not to step on a duck. And although they tried their best to avoid them, soon Phil accidentally stepped on one. In a flash, along came St. Peter with the ugliest woman anyone had ever seen. Mm. St. Peter chained Phil and the woman together and said, Your punishment for stepping on a duck is to spend eternity chained to this ugly woman. St. Peter said that, apparently. Right. The next day, Ian accidentally stepped on a duck too. Along came St. Peter, who doesn't miss a thing, and with him was another extremely ugly woman. 
He chained them together, offering exactly the same rebuke he'd given Phil. Lloyd had observed all this and, not wanting to be chained for all time to an unattractive woman, was very careful where he stepped. He managed to go months without walking on a duck. Eventually, St. Peter came up to him with the most gorgeous woman anyone had ever laid eyes on. A tall, tanned, curvaceous, sexy brunette. St. Peter chained Lloyd and her together without saying a word. Lloyd looked at his new friend with great satisfaction. After a while, he whispered quietly to her, I wonder what I did to deserve being chained to you for all eternity. I don't know about you, the beauty replied, but I stepped on a duck. Yeah. So I telegraphed that one, unfortunately. I knew it was going to flip around. Um, so that made me not uh, – I wasn't surprised. And so because well, I wasn't surprised, you didn't get the uh, – because reaction is a – laughter is – A key is, point is, of, the, yeah, of a joke, re- yes. La- laughter comes from a, a point of surprise. But so you don't see it coming. moving in the right direction for Booney, that one. Yeah, you think so? You think that's going the right direction? After the last 19 yeah, we've done? Yeah. yeah, I think so. It was an interesting sort of uh, different type of setting. Yes. With with the ducks and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Not and he really flipped it on its head with the old... He did. Uh, so, yeah. Good on Booney. But, yeah, unfortunately, I just I telegraphed that one. Oh, well. Well, I, I picked that one out. Yeah. Because that was the better one that we've had for a while. Uh, you don't think... I really can go back to me choosing again. I think so. Because uh, it, it, it I don't think it matters. <laughs> In fact, the only good either. one we got was when I chose it. So... Yeah, true. Gags of David Boom, Rob. Yeah. Pick a number. 66. 66. Clickety-click and all that. Yep. Bingo stuff. Yeah. It's called Pushing It. Pushing It. Don't push your beef. A man and his wife were woken at 3 a.m. by a loud pounding on their front door. Husband got up and staggered to the door when he opened to see a drunken stranger standing in the pouring rain. I've heard this one before many times. The drunk asked if the man could give him a push. No. Go away, the man said angrily. Don't you know it's 3 in the morning? He slammed the door and went back to bed. Who was that? asked the wife. Just a piss pot wanting a push, he replied. Did you help him? she asked. No, I didn't. It's three o'clock in the bloody morning and there's a cyclone raging out there. Well, you sure have a short memory, said the wife, suddenly wide awake. Don't you remember driving home from the MCG last year after your beloved magpies thrashed Melbourne? Your BMW broke down. It was a Demons fan who got out in the rain and helped you but now it's too dark and too wet for you to do the right thing you should be ashamed of yourself the man didn't say a word he got up dressed and headed out into the storm at the front gate he looked out and called into the gloom hello are you still there yes came a voice from behind him from his own backyard do you still need a push the husband called out yes please where are you over here on the swing replied the drunk it's not very good Booney. Well, I mean, if you've heard that before, that means many he didn't times, write it. Many times I've heard so, that. So so these, in some ways now, if he's actually just found all these. I'm pretty sure. And has printed them. He's done well. It's a great research effort. I, I guarantee uh, he didn't write that joke. Well, well. David but, Boone but definitely then, didn't write that joke. But then it would explain things a bit more. See, now it's put in a whole jeopardy. <laughs> Who's to blame for the oh, mediocrity right. of the whole... The collator. Well, um, of the whole uh, publication there. There is a footnote that he did write this with help. Yeah. Jeff Armstrong. 
helped him out with this. It's just you know, this is a token gimmick. They've, they've tried to make a bit of play on the guy that drunk the 52 beers with the funny moustache. Yeah. Old, old Booney, mate. Let's yep. just put a bunch of, find some stories together. Don't, we don't even have to have written them. We have a big yep. asterisk on everything. Yeah. And put it out there and just try and flog off this rubbish with this imagery for some money. And that's what they've tried to, tried to do. Exactly right, Rob. And um, never expecting that it would come under close magnification <laughs> and be uh, examined... It's getting magnified more and more, uh, more and every more. week. This, every uh, week. David Boone's big book of great sporting jokes, Rob. Great. Mm. Remember that. That wasn't great. Comes with its own moustache, Rob. Moustache. Apparently, I've got to cut the moustache out and put it on when I yeah. tell these jokes. Anyway. I've well, there we go. I think that segment's coming to its uh, natural end. Really? It's just, You're getting the, a bit tired of it, eh? Just, well, there is. A, it's becoming. I mean, I, what turned it on its head for me was when there's actually one that I loved. One, the funny one, yeah, yeah. the funny one, the I genie, was quite good. And then it it just hasn't come back. <laughs> it hasn't come no. back at all. Gags of David Boone, Rob. This is your weekly instalment of the worst jokes anyone's ever heard. Yeah, I'm going to go for 131. Okay, because uh, I, I, I reckon. See, 66 is probably where the book should have ended. The further that, you go past... That far? Yeah. The, okay. The, the further you go past, the more it should be just bad. Cutting edge, this is called, Rob. All right. Frank was one of Australia's best snow skiers, but one day there was a terrible accident and someone ran over him just after he'd taken a tumble on some hard, icy snow. All the fingers on both his hands were severed. Now, Frank was a tough man, so he didn't call for the snow ski ambulance. Instead, he just stood up, got his balance and slowly skied down to the chalet. Then he was rushed to emergency where the doctor said, okay, let's have those fingers and we'll see what we can do. Oh, I'm sorry, I haven't got the fingers, Frank said. What do you mean you haven't got the fingers, the doctor cried. This is the 21st century, man. With modern microsurgery, I could have sewn them back on and made you good as new. Why on earth didn't you bring back the fingers? I couldn't pick them up, Frank said. Fair enough from Frank. Well done, Frank. I mean... Although he could have probably tried a bit harder. You can sort of do a bit of a walrus, seal, a clapping seal thing. They'd be in your gloves. Bring them together. Uh, Nobody skis without gloves. That's also true. Sorry, I was taking that a bit too literally there, but uh, they would be in no, your gloves. No, no, no. Look, it's it's a gag's a gag, I guess. Gag's a gag. But um, as soon as you break it down the logistics of this one, you're dead right. They'd yeah. be inside the gloves. Yeah. Although so, if they were severed, that would have it's gonna cut right through the gloves oh, and, the, true. and everything. Would have just cut through the gloves, yeah. Oh, know. well, Frank. He would have had thumbs. Yeah. Possibly. Not not your worst one, David. No, no, it wasn't bad. Yeah. I, it I wasn't got... a groan of disappointment. No, 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 no. It was uh, brought a smile to our faces. Hi, I'm John Aldridge, and you're listening to 365 Days of Sport. Well, I don't know if you've been listening since you've been away, Rob. Nah. Booney's really hit rock bomb. Really? He's, it's gotten worse. <laughs> it couldn't get much worse, but it has. Oh, God. So it's up to you to try and find a good one. Because I think we're... Was could- Paul picking out numbers for you? And yeah, you go, yeah, yeah, All right. 12. Oh, 12. Right at the start. Let's, we haven't gone this early in the book. Literally is the first one. In is the, it? In the, in oh, the book. Oh, here we go. Cricket heaven. Considering this is going to be the first one in the book. Yeah, you'd think he'd want to hit Count with a home yes, run. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the Guns N' Roses moment. Should right, open with uh, Paradise City. Cricket heaven. An avid 105-year-old cricket fan named Jock died happily and having been a good and sporting man all his life, he went straight to heaven. On his first day there, one of the archangels took him to heaven's cricket museum and Jock's face lit up when he came across an old piece of willow. Is that? Can that be? It's Victor's bat, isn't it? He gasps. That's right, said the angel. That's the bat Victor Trumper used when he scored 185 not out of the SCG in 1903. Vic is a wonderful man. He's been up here since 1915. 
And that Sykes bet, Jock said, that's Don Bradman's bet. Right again. That's actually the blade Sir Donald used during the Bodyline series. He brought it with him when he came here in 2001. Jock really was in heaven. He saw Stan McCabe's bat, Archie Jackson's bat, and Charlie McCartney's bat. But then he came across a modern kookaburra bat, and his heart sank. Oh no, that looks like the bat Ricky Ponting uses, he cried. You're not telling me punters died and gone to heaven? Oh no, Jock, calm down, replied the angel. That's actually God's cricket bat. He just lets Ricky use it down on earth during the test matches. Wow, he didn't go to Formula. He didn't go for the home run. No. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Nah. That's the first one in the book. First one in the book. I mean, it many, sets a level. many people would have just read that and stopped. Many people. Yeah. All what? three of the people that bought that book yeah, right. would have stopped. 66. Have I done that before? Clickety click. 66. I mean, I'd hate to do the same one again. Because... Uh, well, if it is the same one again, then I'd go on to the next one, Rob. It's okay. as simple as that. And in this case, it is the same one again, so okay. I'm not going to do it. It's equally as bad the first time round as it is going yeah. to be the next I, time It's round. not going to improve, is it? This one is called Big Animals versus Small Animals. Yeah. While everyone knows that the AFL and the NRL have their annual grand finals, it is a little-known fact that once a year in the Australian bush, the animals have a rugby league grand final of their own. It's the annual Big animals against the small animals extravaganza. And this season, just as has occurred every year since the event's inception, the big animals are giving the small ones an absolute hiding. At halftime, old Cess the Bandicoot, the small animals coach, was making a passionate speech, trying to rally his tiny charges. Mm-hmm. Suitcase of coach, Rob, that's what they yeah. need. And Crash straight Bandicoot. Away, Crash Bandicoot. And straight away, it seems Sessie's words had made an impact. Right after the resumption, the red kangaroo got the ball, but was tackled without making even a meter. From the play of the ball, the big animal's front row of the saltwater crocodile charged forward, but was met by a crunching hit for no gain. The emu dashed from dummy half, but was clipped from behind and fell flat on his beak. When he didn't get up, the referee stopped the clock so the medicos could rush out while the small animals formed an excited huddle. Hey, fellas, said the small animals captain, the wily Joe Cookaburra. Who stopped the kangaroo? I did, whispered Mike the centipede. Who smashed the crocodile? That was me, said the centipede. How about the emu? Who nailed the emu? Ah, that was me too, said Mike. That's great play, Mikey, muttered Joe Cookaburra. But where were you when we needed you in the first half? Sorry, skipper, Mike replied. I was getting my ankles taped. Oi! Rob nearly smiled! It's a half smile. Rob nearly smiled! Booty's back, people! Booty's back! <laughs> I don't mind that, because it's just straight out stupid. Yes. Yeah. I thought he was going to be... There's, there's not, it's, not, it's not a clever pun or anything. No. I thought know. he was going to go, I was going to put my boots on, yeah. being a centipede, but he's getting his ankles taped, even worse. That's good on you. That, yeah, that's, I enjoyed that one. Good. Nice. See, sometimes just something totally stupid with the long joke is better than trying to be witty. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, uh, isn't that great, Beef? <laughs> we can keep this, it going now. Oh, the atmosphere yeah. in this room so is just six, lifted. Six, 67, was it? Uh, yes. If you yeah. are keen to get your own book of David Boone's big book of great sporting jokes, it is available on HarperCollins, just to let you know. Yeah. Hey, did you hear about Kevin? No. He's in Australia too. Spreading himself a bit thin. Yeah. Everyone wants a slice of Kevin. Premium New Zealand beef. Jack Leagues, beef up your snack life. Hey there, beefy. Hey, Rob. Do you have nothing to do all the time? <laughs> 
Yes, I've got nothing to do all the time, Rob. Well, guess what? I've found something that you can do with your nothing time. <laughs> What's that, Rob? Listen to a great podcast called 365 Days of Sport. Right. It stars you and me. Oh, wow. Other people can listen to it besides the people who are on it. Yeah. If you want. Get it wherever you get your podcast from. We're on Spotify too. 365 Days of Sport. It's the podcast you never knew you wanted to listen to.